Welcome to a series of talks about objective consciousness, an objective universe, and an objective way to awaken, expanding upon the works of George I. Gurdjieff and Russell A. Smith. In this podcast, I will narrate a dialogue between Russell and two of his students concerning staying on an even keel, the benefits of not expressing negative emotions, active reasoning, as well as counselling a student on the properties of creation, how to escape a black hole, the matrix of outer forces, and the altering of the law of seven. The diagrams for this podcast can be found on our website, thedogteachings.com, at the link found in the description of this podcast. Let's begin. Student. Hello, Russ. How are you tonight? Russell. I am terrific. And yourself? Student. I am better than terrific. I am awake. My steward is in place. And as such, I am the ruler of my inner world. Russell. Wonderful. Student, I wanted to tell you an uplifting story about one of my boys. Russell, great. Student, as you know, some months ago, I started memorizing the aphorisms. Well, two days ago, when I was out shopping with the family, my youngest son was being quite a nag. He wanted this, he wanted that, he wanted this, He wanted that. He just wouldn't give up. After a bit, I finally said to him, You should try to make yourself stronger by not wanting everything. After which, I bent over and whispered in his ear, Like what it does not like. Then, that night at dinner, When I asked my children what they had learned that day, my youngest son said, Well, I learned from Papa that I should like what it does not like, which was something. Russell, very nice. You are becoming a very good role model. Student, yes, Indeed I am. Since we last talked, I have been on a very even keel. Nothing quite as earth-shattering as the other night with my son, but a definite uptick in presence, which doesn't seem to be going away. It has even invaded my medical practice and has made me a better neurosurgeon. Russell. That's the way it works. Student. Currently, I am reading the fourth way. I am in chapter 10, about increasing will, and it is going great. Russell. Terrific. If you ever have a moment where it is not, just ask yourself, 
Where am I on a scale from 1 to 10? And realize you can always do something to raise your state up one notch. As long as you can remember to do that, how would life ever drag you down? Student. That's it. That's exactly it. I got it. On another note, I find that by not expressing negative emotions, I not only have more control over myself, but less reaction to the outside world. Russell. Well done. That is how it begins. It begins by not expressing negative emotions. And when you finally accomplish that, you will become immune to the world. Student. Well, I have been trying. Do negative emotions ever settle down? Russell. Yes. Not only will they settle down, but they will become totally foreign to you. There will come a day when you call me and say, Russ, I don't know how I ever functioned before I woke up. And then you will tell me about some big hoopla that took place that didn't get into your inner world. Kind of like the chapter Liberation Leads to Liberation in Views from the Real World, where Gurdjieff says, Liberation leads to liberation. These are the first words of truth. And explains how liberation from the inner world, the lesser world, leads to liberation from the outer world, the bigger world, and then he shares the exercise called active reasoning. Do you remember that? Student. I remember the first part, but not the active reasoning part. Russell. No problem. In short, Gurdjieff talked about how someone called him a fool, after which he reasoned that either A, the guy who called him a fool, must have heard something derogatory about him, and, without verification, he believed it, which kind of made the guy who called him a fool the real fool. And as such, he was not affected by the fool who called him a fool. Or B, with his aim of not being a fool, if he did act foolishly, he would not be affected by some guy who was kind enough to remind him of his aim and point out to him that he had acted foolishly. So, either way, he was free. Student. Yes, I do remember that now. In fact, I even underlined it. Russell, that is law conformable and confirms how we need to study things again and again before they become ours, even the things we underline. 
That is, we can't just read a book once and expect the knowledge contained therein to be ours. It's like me and the fourth way. I read that book a hundred times. And it wasn't until after many, many readings that I finally started to understand it. Student, it must have taken you a while to go through it that many times. Russell, just two years. I read it cover to cover every week, which is probably very similar to what you had to do in order to become a neurosurgeon. That is, you had to go over and over the same material week after week until it became yours, didn't you? Student, yes, I did. Russell, as such, you have become a very good neurosurgeon, and I have become a very good awaker of men. Student, indeed you have. That being the case, I wish I could stay and chat with you a bit longer, so that I could take more from the well. But I have to go. I have patients to contact. So I will call you next Sunday. Thanks, Russ. And good night. Russell. Good night, sir. Later on that evening, another student called. Hi, Russ. I have a problem. I was looking at the mi-far interval, the one that was lengthened. It, however, is smaller than the other intervals. And as such, it looks to me like it has been shortened. And for the life of me, I can't reconcile how it was lengthened. Yet looks to be shortened. Russell. Well, that is not a problem at all. Do you have one of my books handy? Gojif Cosmic Secrets or The Blueprint of Consciousness? Student. Yes, I have them both right here. Russell. Wonderful. Open the Blueprint of Consciousness to page 116. On page 116, in brown print, you will find what is on page 23 in Gurdjieff Cosmic Secrets, which is Gurdjieff's quote concerning the lengthening of one of the stop-enders. However, before we read that, Let's turn the clock back to before creation. That is, to before the Big Bang. In Gurdjieff's creation myth, God created the universe in order to maintain his home, the Holy Son Absolute. A creation story that fits the current astrophysics theory about the Big Bang. That description includes consciousness 
as a fundamental aspect of materiality on its finest, least material, level. The absolute may correspond to the singularity within the primordial black hole, where all laws and forces were combined at a single point at the very beginning of creation. The Holy Sun Absolute may correspond to the black hole which formed around that singularity. Fortunately, we learned from theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking that black holes slowly lose mass. Which means that Gurdjieff's creation myth provides a plausible physical analogy for the Absolute constating that his abode, the Holy Sun Absolute, was shrinking in volume. And as such, the Absolute responded by changing the laws of three and seven and directed the action of their forces from within the Most Holy Sun Absolute into the space of the universe, whereupon there was obtained the what is called emanation of the Sun Absolute, and now called Theomertmologos, or Word God. But singularities and black holes create a problem. If the Absolute is at the centre of a primordial black hole, then how do we get the forces, which are within that singularity, out? After all, we are told in astrophysics that nothing ever gets out of a black hole. Not even light, which is travelling at 186,000 miles per second. Fortunately, on the night of December the 6th, 1979, theoretical physicist Alan Guth had a spectacular realisation. One that turned cosmology on its head. He imagined that at the very beginning of the Big Bang, the entire universe expanded exponentially, going from microscopic size to cosmic size, at a speed which was greater than the speed of light. Eureka! That is how the Absolute must have done it. He simply caused things to go faster than the speed of light. And as such, he was able to eject the forces, which were within the singularity, out into the universe. Okay, that solves that problem. Now, let's tackle another. When the forces escaped the singularity, 
How did they orient? Consider the shape of a tetrahedron. A tetrahedron is the only geometric shape which has all its points equidistant from each other. Thus, the absolute and the forces coming out of the absolute, according to the principle that likes repel, were forced to configure tetrahedrally. After all, they all came from the same place and therefore had like charges. So, the ensuing configuration was tetrahedral, one that had the absolute at one point and the forces which came out of the absolute at the other three. Eureka number two. That solves that problem, which brings us to a third. After the initial tetrahedral configuration, how did it proceed? That process can easily be envisioned by the mathematics of the separated forces. I will use the Enneagram, which I introduced in the podcast of two weeks ago, called Stepping into the Light. See the 12, 10, 8 diagram. It shows where the forces are in an Enneagram that goes from 6 to 12, revealing how the three forces which enter the universe are in an 8, 10 and 12 relationship. Other than the bottom dough, which is at 6 sixths, the others are at 8 sixths, 10 sixths and 12 sixths. Wherein we find Mr. Gurdjieff's famous relationship of the three forces, 8, 10, and 12, as well as get our first glimpse into their mathematics. That is, starting from the top dough, the mathematics is 12 times 1 equals 12, 12 times 5 sixths equals 10. 12 times 2 thirds equals 8. And 12 times a half equals 6. Which reveals the factors of 1, 5 sixths, 2 thirds and 1 half. But since the factors of one and one half refer to the beginning and ending doughs, we will exclude them and focus on the factors of five sixths and two thirds, which reveal the mathematics of the other two forces, doughs that also appear within the octave. Okay. 
I think we are good to go. And as such, I will introduce you to the boundaries of creation, which are five-sixths to the seventh and two-thirds cubed. See the diagram called Boundaries of Creation. You can see in the diagram I multiplied the top dough by five-sixths to get the numerical value of another force which enters the universe. Likewise, I multiplied it by two-thirds in order to get a third force. Continuing that process, i.e. multiplying the new forces that are doughs of their own octaves by five-sixths and two-thirds, and then multiplying the forces produced by the five-sixths and two-thirds, I discovered the home of all the forces that entered the universe and produced a matrix of 19 octaves within the first two halvings, which occurred outside the singularity. Okay. I multiplied the original dough by five-sixths and all the ensuing answers by five-sixths, a total of seven times, and thus produced one boundary of creation. I also multiplied the original dough by two-thirds, and all the ensuing answers by two-thirds, a total of three times, and thus produced the other boundary of creation. I also multiplied every five-sixths answer by two-thirds, and every two-thirds answer by five-sixths, and thus produced all the forces that occurred within those boundaries. If you wish to see the mathematics of this structure, see the diagram called Pascal's Triangle. That solved the third problem. Student. I got it, Russ. That was very clear and succinct. Russell. I am sharing this with you because it is my wish that you yourself do the math. To not only verify where the forces were that entered the universe, but also understand why and how the law of seven had to be changed in order to accommodate them. A change which subsequently produces an inner structure that gives certainty to the fact that you can indeed awaken. And that will help you see that it is not that hard to do. Which is much better 
than relying on hope, prayer, speculation, conjecture, or guess. Okay, that pretty much covers the mathematics of the forces that escaped the singularity as to where they are. But what was the inner makeup of those forces? That is, what was their inner structure? Unfortunately, Gurdjieff only gave us one clue, which can be found in the line of supervision that proceeds around the Enneagram and goes from point one to point four to point two to point eight to point five to point seven and then goes back to point one. That's one, four, two, eight, five, seven. Then back to one. I then compared that clue to the decimal of one-seventh, which is 0.142857, and saw that they were identical. As such, I took that knowledge, the 142.857, and the 0.142.857 and considered how a seven-day creation also took place, according to the Bible. Note, a day has 24 hours. It is probably just a coincidence that the diagram of creation, which we will examine shortly, was the smallest mathematical model that gave me all whole-numbered answers. It, too, has seven intervals, each with a length of 24. Putting those clues together, I surmised that the original 19 octaves flowed by even sevenths, which caused another problem. When I took the octaves in the boundaries of creation that were created by the math of five-sixths to the seventh and two-thirds cubed, as well as by the combinations of five-sixths and two-thirds that fell within those boundaries, and then calculated them at even sevenths. I was saddened to see that not one of those forces, their does, fell on any of the notes of the other octaves. Bummer. How could there be a creation if the existing forces could not participate in common octaves? I indeed had a problem. That idea was supported by what Gurdjieff proposed. Our common father, omnibeing endlessness, having decided to change the principle 
of the maintenance of the existence of this then still unique cosmic concentration and sole place of his most glorious being, first of all, altered the process itself of the functioning of these two primordial fundamental sacred laws, and he actualized the greater change in the law of the sacred Heptaparaparshanoch. Which means that God saw the problem too, and therefore he had to make a greater change in the law of seven. Eureka solves that. Okay, now let's tackle what the greater change in the law of seven was. Gurdjieff continues. These changes in the functioning of the sacred Heptaparaparshanok consisted in this, that in three of its stop-inders, he altered the what are called subjective actions which had been until then in the stop-inders. In this respect, that in one, he lengthened the law-conformable successiveness, shortened it in another, and in a third, disharmonized it. And, namely, with the purpose of providing the requisite inherency for receiving, for its functioning, the automatic affluence of all forces which were near, he lengthened the stopinder between its third and fourth deflections. The key to deciphering the above passages can be found in the first paragraph, where Gurdjieff says, lengthened the law conformable successiveness. From the absolute's point of view, though 336, See the creation diagram. There are seven stopinders. Doti, Tila, Lasso, Sofar, Fami, Mire, and Ray Do. In law conformable, equal sevenths, succession, one after the other. To lengthen the law-conformable successiveness of one of the stopinders implies that one of them is going to be moved further away from the absolute, thus lengthening it in its law-conformable successiveness from the absolute. Next, in the second paragraph, we find out which stopinder is going to be lengthened. However, Gurdjieff buries the dog by, firstly, referring to the stopinders in ascending order, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, and do. And secondly, by telling us that it is the stopinder between its third and fourth deflections between me and far, that is going to be lengthened 
as if the lengthening occurs between the notes mi and fa, instead of realizing that the entire stopinder, the stopinder between the notes mi and fa, needs to have its law conformable successiveness altered. That is, moved further away from the absolute. If you examine the top half of the creation diagram, you will see what the law of seven looked like before it got changed. It had seven intervals, each with a length of 24. As I mentioned earlier, just like the seven days in a week. Student. Yep, I see that. Russell. Okay. Now, we're going to take the far at 240 vibrations and lengthen the far me interval by pushing on the far and shoving the far me interval further away from the absolute. That is, from the DO at 336. And as such, we will lengthen the law conformable successiveness of the third stopender, as well as align the note far with the force at 224. Student. Oh my God, Russ. That is fantastic. You have just answered every question I ever had about Gurdjieff's creation scenario and explained why and how it all had to be done. Just fantastic. I also saw the animations on the website and after seeing what you have shown me today, I have no doubt as to its validity. Russell. That is just great. Next, the interval that was shortened in order to facilitate the commencement of the octave above can be seen on page 128 in the Blueprint of Consciousness. See the diagram titled Separated Forces, Even Thirds, Octave Structure, Diatonic, Except for T. Gurdjieff continues. And the stopinder, which he shortened, is between its last deflection and the beginning of a new cycle of its completing process, by the same shortening for the purpose of facilitating the commencement of a new cycle of its completing process, he predetermined the functioning of the given stopinder to be dependent only upon the affluence of forces obtained from outside through that stopender, from the results of the action of that cosmic concentration itself, in which the completing process of this primordial, fundamental, sacred law flows. Student. Ah, yes. I see that one too. Russell. Fantastic. The blueprint of consciousness will allow you to see and understand every facet of the structure. From creation 
to awakening and make what was once very vague clear and concise. So, I urge you to get on with the cure. Student I will, Russ. I am eager to do just that. Russell Terrific. Now, look at the diagram called the diatonic enneagram. See the three points of the triangle? Student. Yes. Russell. The triangle point at the bottom right is after the Meccano coinciding Mudnell in. The Mi-Far interval. It is a tough interval to get past because there is a force at far that needs to be overcome. The triangle point on the bottom left is after the Harnal Ayut, the Solar interval. It is also a tough interval to get past because there is a force at La that needs to be overcome. And the triangle point at the top is after an intentionally actualized Mudnell in, the T-Do interval. It too is a tough interval to get past because there is a descending force at top Do that also needs to be overcome. Those three triangle points contain the Do's of the three forces, which we have been discussing that stop the event. That is why we need to intentionally bring in assisting does, assisting octaves at the notes Mi, So and T before we encounter the forces at Fa, La and Do in order to overcome them. Student Oh my God, Russ! Those are the does we have been discussing. And now I know where they are and how they got there. Getting on with the cure is going to be fun. Russell. And it gets more fun. However, I will spare your brain from learning about the more fun until next week. At which time I will share with you a podcast titled How to Awaken in a Nutshell. Student. Thank you, Russ. I can't wait. Good night. That completes today's podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions that you would like answered, please send them to information at thedogteachings.com and we will endeavour to answer them, and perhaps even include them in a future podcast. In addition, you may now pose questions at our new Telegram group, The Dog Teachings, which is open to everyone to join and participate in. Or, if you would like to purchase Russell Smith's book, The Blueprint of Consciousness, a 520-page hardback, which is also available for PDF download, or learn more about the subjects and exercises that we have been exploring, you can do so 
by going to thedogteachings.com. That's T-H-E-D-O-G-T-E-A-C-H-I-N-G-S dot com. There, you'll be able to listen to other talks, obtain diagrams, animations, supporting videos, and much, much more. But, most importantly, you will have real-time access to the materials we are discussing. That's thedogteachings.com. Goodbye. Until next time.